podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Lucas Root. He has led numerous operations teams for corporations on Wall Street. After establishing a consistent track record of successes, he started his own consulting business and left his corporate job. Congratulations. He works with strong brands with a well-funded, great idea who don't quite know how to execute. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm just glad that you could make it, given that uh, you got this jungle background here. (laughs) (laughs) I I swung in from some vines. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to the listener who can't see Lucas, his Zoom background game is on point. He's well prepared. So in addition to having great Zoom backgrounds, Lucas, as Ethan had said, you've got this impressive history with Wall Street and now with consulting major brands and public speaking. We're going to save some time at the end of the episode to talk about that, but this podcast is all about new business ideas, and you are going to be so gracious as to share one with our listeners. So let's kick things off. What is the idea that you would like our listeners to run with? So everybody is aware of this old saying, when there's blood on the street, buy property. It's a horrible saying, but it is so on point from a business perspective. It sort of says, if there's war happening actively right now, there's blood on the street, like people are dying, buy property because they'll sell it cheap because they're running away anyway. And the idea behind it is, look, the property is going to be valuable again at some point, as long as you can survive long enough to be able to monetize that value. Well, right now, we're not in a hot war. There isn't a shooting war going on here, at least in the United States. We're in a different kind of war, but it is a war. And there is blood on the street, metaphorically speaking, in the retail business world right now. Rents are not going down. The cost of goods that retail businesses are using is not going down. And so any of the retail businesses that were marginal before the pandemic hit, and by marginal, I mean They were operating and at a profit, but the profit was relatively slim. So if they were a marginal business before the pandemic, then the state money that's coming out now to help businesses stay afloat is probably not going to be enough. So what you're talking about is approach these existing retail operations that might be really struggling and take over and have a plan for how to make things work. Yeah, exactly. But one in particular... I think the quick service restaurant business, I call it QSR for short, I think the the franchise quick service restaurant business right now is primed for this exact move. We talked to you on a pre-interview and kind of asked about your experience with franchises. We haven't talked about franchises much on Run With It, but yeah, tell us a little bit about your background with franchises. I actually own a retail store, which is a member of a franchise. You know, I sell hardwood floors and carpets and the like. And that's one of the businesses that I own. And I love it. And don't misunderstand me. It's not that I particularly love to operate a retail business. It's I love the business in a general sense. I really enjoy 
being a part of the retail world, I really enjoy understanding the nuances that make one retail business successful versus the next. And, you know, how can you play in a market from the outside? You can't. If you want to play in a market, you got to get in. What's the name of the chain, if you don't mind us asking? Abbey Carpet. Abbey Carpet. I like them because they're a little bit more premium than the other ones that people are familiar with, like Carpet One, which is also a, a flooring franchise, to me at least. And when I got into the market, I was like, I, I need to understand the breadth of the market. So I did my, my research. I paid attention to what franchises were out there. I went to a whole bunch of different conventions and I settled on Abbey. Yeah, I'm really excited about this idea because oftentimes on the podcast, or most of the time, I should say, we focus on completely new business ideas. And that is just at a, it's a different, different game to start something from scratch, yeah. right? And it's completely valid to take an existing model and improve upon it as you've done. I don't know anything about that process and I'm excited to dive into that a little bit deeper of, of the nuts and bolts of how much time you spend managing your franchise and how much you'd expect someone would have to spend on a QSR. How do you hire the right people? Things like that. Before getting into that, one thing that I want to point out is this idea is also exciting because we're at a time where people may have felt like they've missed out on the stock market bounce back. For those who have some amount of money on the sidelines right now and aren't sure what to do, I'm fascinated by these investment opportunities that are not generally talked about or uh, well-known amongst the, the public. I guess the first question that comes to mind for me is I'd have no idea even how to find whether local QSRs are available, whether uh, owners are interested in selling them. How would you figure that out? Yeah. Well, just like in real estate market, there are brokers. So you can go to a broker and just like in the real estate market, there are deals that exist out there that haven't been made yet, i.e. the owner hasn't approached a broker. So you could actually do the legwork yourself. And the question you have to ask yourself first is, do I want to do the legwork myself? So if you do, figure out which of the franchise QSRs you're interested in. Is it a Subway? Is it a McDonald's? And then just walk in. Right now, probably most of their staff is on furlough. I feel for them. I'm in retail. I really do feel for them. They're running on a minimal enough, but a minimal staff so that they can keep up with the orders that are coming through drive-through, but nobody's going to be walking in, right? And that means that the owner's probably going to be on site. This is definitely a, a nugget. We, we pick out things that, that people share that are just kind of useful tidbits. And I think that this theme has come up when it comes to the pandemic. And that there's these little opportunities that if you're kind of sensitive to, to thinking about them, you know, you can really have a ton of leverage, especially I've seen it over again with making contact or connection with a person that you typically wouldn't because you know, because of how things are, that their schedule has changed. And that, and that applies to reaching out to people who are typically very busy and now all of their events have been canceled. Of course, now things are picking back up. But yeah, I love this really simple, logical idea that they're actually probably just going to be right there in the store now. <laughs> so with this approach, you would just walk in and, and ask to speak to the owner and, and say, hey, my name is Lucas Root. I'm interested in buying a Subway. I want to talk with you about your thoughts on, on this location, something like that. Yeah. Or if you're really an upfront kind of guy, so that's probably exactly what I would say. But if you're somebody who's a little bit more soft-spoken and a little bit less upfront about things like that, then you might say, I wanted to talk to you about your experience owning a Subway. 
I have no idea how much a, a franchise costs. Like, how much does it cost to to buy a subway? It's like two hundred grand. I'll just throw out that number. Ethan, you want to take a guess before Lucas gives us buy a-, uh, a subway? Well, I know I, I feel like I've heard people buying franchises, and I often hear people like taking out some sort of loan to do that. So yeah, it's got to be on the level of over a hundred grand. Yeah, I mean. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll raise you like 50 grand, 250. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> you have an insight, Lucas? The franchise cost itself is not actually the big cost. These franchises are smart. What they do is they say, you can buy my franchise. And typically a franchise cost is somewhere between 20 and $50,000. So it's not huge. You can buy into my franchise for this relatively nominal fee. But we're not willing to sell you the franchise unless you can show me that you'll survive for a minimum of five years. And that's where the big money starts to show up. And what order of magnitude would that be? McDonald's, a million and a half dollars. Wow. And McDonald's is interesting because they'll take it one step further. They won't even let you hold that money. They hold it. Wow. Yep. Do they pay you interest on that at least? No. No, but you you wouldn't get interest on that money anyway because it'd be sitting in a checking account earning 0.01%. <laughs> they want you to have cash on hand to run the business for five years. Yep. And so a million and a half should be enough to pay people. And during that time, do the profits... It's your business. It's your business. They're as involved as you ask them to be because they're there to support you, truly. I mean, they want you to succeed. But it's your business, so they're as hands-off as you want them to be as well in both directions. You want their help, they're there. You don't want their help, they're not there. How long do you think it would take for a QSR to, in a normal environment, become profitable? I have no idea, honestly. I think that it's a popular business model because it becomes profitable quickly. I also think that the franchises themselves do a huge amount of market research to protect against the possibility of reaching some sort of maximum density. Franchises in general have a protected territory and it's different per franchise. So in the Abbey franchise, for instance, my protected territory is four miles radius. So I can sell my product anywhere I can reach, right? I live in California. I could sell my product online and ship it to Montana. I don't know why someone would want to pay that kind of shipping fee, but I could. But Nobody else can set up a store within four miles radius of where my store is. If you get good at running a certain type of business and you don't want to use the franchise, you know, you have that option. I actually had a business owner near me um, in another neighborhood in Chicago. They were running this really cool Baskin and Robbins. You know, it was just great service. It was fun. It was unique. They did all this really cool stuff. And um, yeah, one year they just stopped being a Baskin and Robbins and they said, oh, we're, we're just going to be our own ice cream shop. And for whatever reason, you know, they could do that, but you couldn't do that with a McDonald's. <laughs> you just couldn't do it. You actually could, but McDonald's does a lot of things for their franchise members that I would generally say, and Subway is the same thing. A lot of these QSRs do a lot of things for their franchise members that make it so that you're not going to want to. So McDonald's takes care of 100% of the supply chain. They do all the vendor beating up, right, to, to make sure that your supply chain is both as tight as it needs to be and as profitable for you as it possibly can be. 
and I guarantee you they take a little bit of a cut, but, but I also guarantee you that the cut that they take is very small. And because of the fact that they work so hard to protect your supply chain, setting up your own non-franchised burger joint is actually going to be a huge challenge for anybody who's already been inside the franchise. The same is true for Baskin Robbins. So this guy who decided to do it, he probably had to do a lot of work in the years that he was sort of transitioning into a high-end ice cream store. And this is one of the things that you guys noticed on the call notes that I sent in that I talked about. I don't really want to call it escaping a franchise, but if you kind of look at it like that, there are things that you can do to reach sort of escape velocity in NASA terms, right? To reach escape velocity and that are going to help you exit that piece of the market. Now, you may not decide to give up your franchise or the naming or, you know, all of the benefits that come with it. But because of the fact that you've done the work, you can start to reap the benefits like this guy in the Baskin Robbins. I want to come back to this number that's been sick in my mind since you brought it up. $1.5 million. Most listeners are not going to have that sitting around, certainly not in a checking account. What options do you have when it comes to either fundraising or financing in order to, to have that money on hand? Oh, a million and a half is to open a new store. If you were to buy an existing McDonald's, I don't believe, and I'm not the expert on this, but I don't believe that you would be required to come up with that number. Okay. So what's the number, all-in number, let's say you wanted to take over a Subway or a McDonald's? For a Subway, I wouldn't even start thinking about this unless you can get to 200000 250000 in cash post-deal, right? So you need deal financing and you need another 250000 in cash after that deal. And this is because, remember, I said there's blood on the street. We don't know when we're going to get to the point where you have the kinds of walk-in traffic that you would expect to have. And you need to be able to operate the business out of the cash in your pocket, until that happens. Now, once that happens, the businesses that survive right now are going to pick up all of that traffic, all of it. Yeah, that makes sense. What about the carrot? How much money do you think someone could could make in the first year, second year, five years from a transaction like this? You can actually see these numbers in like business broker websites. So the other way to buy this would be to go to brokers. And brokers will show you what uh, revenue is and what profit generated from that revenue is. So if you go online right now and take a look at some of the broker websites, you can see, I was looking at one earlier today, uh, actually a Subway, $250,000 purchase price, uh, operating profit, 85000 If it's turnkey, I would say that's a good price. I would also say it's probably not turnkey, which means it's not a good price. What I mean by that is if you can buy the business and stay at home sitting in your underwear, log in and check your QuickBooks once a day to make sure that things are running and profit continues to come in, that's turnkey. If you have to show up, if you have to show up on site in order to continue to generate those profits, it's not turnkey anymore. And at that point, I would say it's not worth that price. But this is just an ask price. And the business market is much more flexible in terms of bid ask than the real estate market, right? In real estate, the saying is, if you're not within 10%, don't bother. In the business market, that's not true. So the idea with that particular purchase is, if you could come up with the 250, and let's say it was turnkey, just to 
make sure we understand the numbers of franchise purchases. If you come up with the 250 and everything was to go according to plans, then you could also just make 85K every year. And you know, within a few years, you've had made your original 250 back and now it's just pure profit. That's right. A three-year ROI, that's a no-brainer to me. I, I do that all day. <laughs> I imagine on these broker websites, they would also call out a line item for if the owner were paying a salary to him or herself to manage the operation. Is that true? Some of them do, some of them don't. For a QSR, I would assume that they do not. That they do not pay themselves a salary? No, that they don't call it out. They don't call it out. But they might call out, and this is what you need to look for in terms of turnkey. They, they might say turnkey, and I'm not sure I would even believe it if they do. Because most QSR owners don't think of their restaurant as a turnkey. And these brokers don't spend a lot of time building their listing, which means they're probably not going to give the language to the owner. The owner might say management and staff already on, right? Yeah. And so if you see that line, management and staff or full-time manager, things like that, that's a, that's a cue to you that it's going to be turnkey or close to turnkey. Maybe you have to be on site, but you don't actually have to do any work. Since you've been in, in franchise, I think this is great for us to hear because I get, it helps people understand both getting into it and operating it. How long has it been since you started with that? And what is your involvement with, with your particular franchise? I know it's not a QSR, but you know, how often do you feel like you have to visit and do you have to hire people? Do you sit at home in your underwear and check your QuickBooks account? <laughs> <laughs> Closer to the second, yes. Um, obviously, I spend a lot of time on Zoom, which is why my Zoom game is on point. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, my franchise is um, 700 miles away. I couldn't go in for an emergency even if I wanted to. I could be there next day. That That's possible. But same day, it's simply not feasible. I've been in it for two years and I like it so much that I'm expanding. I'm actually looking at other Abbey franchises in on the West Coast, right? Because I'm willing to travel to manage my businesses. So I'm looking for other Abbey franchises to take over actively. This is uh, personal, but if you don't mind sharing some of the numbers behind your franchise... I think that'd be hugely beneficial for our listeners here in terms of annual profit or you know anything that you're willing to share. I think that an Abbey store should be doing an absolute minimum of a million and a half in revenue annually. So I go looking for Abbey stores that are not hitting a million and a half in revenue. Part of the reason why I'm interested in that is if they're not hitting their targets, then I think it's going to be easy for me to get them up to target. Because that's where I think sort of that's the baseline. If they're not hitting baseline, then they're doing something wrong. And when I take over, all I have to do is fix the thing they're doing wrong. And then, boom, profits are up. So that's number one. Number two, at a million and a half in revenue, they should have net operating profits of 400000 Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm taking 400000 in profit. I do a couple of things that I would recommend to any business owner, but many people don't do. First, if they're an LLC, I'm going to turn it into an S-Corp really quickly because I keep an operating reserve of minimum of 50% of an annual cost. So whatever my annual run rate is, let's say my annual run rate is 200000 then my minimum operating reserve is 100000 And I won't do anything with uh, net operating profit, like money that isn't needed for anything, until I have a minimum of that 100000 in my operating reserve account. 
And when I draw against that operating reserve, then I need that money to go back in before I'm profitable again, to me, in my bookkeeping. Obviously, operating reserve money can be paid out, right? So if I decide I want to close down the business, that operating reserve money is available to me. But from a management perspective, that money is only used for unforeseeable operating expenses like the pandemic, which is part of the reason why my business is doing well right now. You've clearly thought this through. You know your numbers. How can someone else get to that point with QSRs? Yeah. First, start looking at rents. Rent is going to be your most significant and non-flexible cost. So look at rent. In a QSR, you absolutely require foot traffic, which means you can't look at cheap locations. For better or worse, you're going to have to look at expensive locations. So understand what that costs. I like to tell my sales staff, my store, by the way, is not on a, on a central boulevard. You know, it's not in the middle of Main Street. I like to tell my sales staff that a high rent location, the rent that you pay above and beyond a low rent location, that, that difference is marketing. So if I could rent the space two streets over for, let's call it $2,000 a month, but I need to be on Main Street and now it costs $4,000 a month, that $2,000 difference, that's a $2,000 marketing budget. QSRs, you have to pay that $4,000. You have to pay that. You can't exist without walk-in. You can't exist without being close to your customers. So absolute base number one, you have to figure out what the rents that you're going to be paying are. Number two, you need to understand headcount opportunity because you can start up a QSR yourself and be 100% owner-operated. But as you start to get busy, you're going to have to become a manager, not an operator, which means you need to hire people. So understand what the labor market is for QSR jobs. So a cook, a front desk person. And then here's the kicker. In order to be approaching what we talked about earlier, that escape velocity for your franchise. And, and again, I, I don't recommend necessarily people looking to actually escape their franchise. Franchise is a very good thing. Use it for what it's worth. But you still want to do the same things that your Baskin Robbins friend did. You want to get hip. You want to be cool. You want your people to want to come in, not just because they want quick service food, but because they want to be there. They want to be part of your environment. And that's how you're going to start creating profit opportunities that don't exist for just the regular Joe who sold you your quick service restaurant last month. <laughs> so where are the premiums on the labor market? I.e., if you can get a chef for $15 an hour, do you need to pay $17 an hour to get a chef that is great, that's going to do that just little bit of extra, who, who actually tastes the food, pays attention to customer orders, doesn't get them wrong? Those questions are important. And if you need to pay that 17, then you need to start budgeting today for that 17. The rest of your budgeting actually comes from the franchise. When, when you get set up with them, they're going to tell you 100% of what your operating budget should look like. And so you, you can just go to the franchise owner and say, hey, can I talk to you about what this operating budget needs to look like? And what's the information that's being sent to you by the franchise? You can call the franchise up and say, I'm interested in buying. Can you give me the information that you send to new owners? So do all the research. Make sure that you understand what your budgets are going to be. Because as we mentioned at the beginning, make sure that you've got budget enough to survive to the end of this pandemic. Because that's when the real opportunity starts showing up. Well, we're coming up on time here, Lucas. I feel like we could 
we could have another hour long conversation because both of us are curious, but completely inexperienced in, in uh, <laughs> the franchise world. What's one thing that you would like a listener to take away from this conversation? There are some really amazing business opportunities out there. In a general market, getting into a franchise quick service restaurant is actually a relatively expensive move. You have to show up to the table with three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in cash, plus the capacity to get a loan to buy the business. I would say in today's market, that number's maybe cut in half. You might be able to get away with 150 in cash plus the capacity for financing. And that's what makes it so exciting today. You can buy into a business that potentially can create fifty to a hundred thousand dollars in actual profit, turnkey profit, profit that you can generate from from your office without directly managing the business if you do things right. Awesome. Thank you so much. So to the listener out there who is excited about QSRs and and uh, believes in this idea, take some action. You don't need to go through all of the steps quite yet, but take some action, follow through on, on what Lucas has shared here and let us know what you've done. Email us at update at runwithit.fm. Everyone who responds will get access to a private Facebook group of other action takers as well. And one lucky listener will earn a free mentoring session from Lucas and a potential business partnership. Lucas, where can people go to learn more about you? My website, lucasroot.com. And then I'm really active on Instagram, just at Luke, L-U-C-R-O-O-T, one word. Great. All right, Lucas. Well, yeah, thank you very much for the conversation and looking forward to catching up with you later on. My pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Now it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.